So why do business in the Lone Star State? I'm Gene Marks, a CPA, small business owner, and host of the Paychecks Thrive podcast. And today in the Paycheck Spotlight on Texas, you'll learn what's driving the economic boom. There's no state income tax, no corporate income tax, minimal regulations. There are metro areas growing by leaps and bounds. Fort Worth expects to add 100,000 people in the next five years. There are new residents moving into Texas, which means a larger pool of workers. I mean, yeah, there are hurdles. I mean, businesses always need good workers. And as you know, it's tough meeting consumer demand while supply chain issues hamper delivery and inflation adds pressure. But still, Texas is drawing more people and more business than almost any other state. We have three great panelists here to have a conversation about what is going on in Texas and the Texas economy. So I've got Cindy Ramos-Davidson, uh, Brandon Gengelbach, and Jeffrey Tawawa. Cindy, I'm going to start with you um, because ladies always go first. Let's talk about uh, what you do. You are the CEO of the El Paso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and, and also about the Chamber of Commerce. Sure. Uh, our chamber is 31 years old. We are dedicated specifically to helping small minority women and veteran-owned businesses. I will celebrate 25 years in June as the CEO of this chamber. I know I look like I'm 29, but I have been doing chamber work, believe it or not, for over 40 years. It is an industry that you either love or you hate. There's no middle of the road. And the most exciting element about what we do with our chamber is watching people fulfill their dreams. They have an idea to fruition, to entrepreneurship, to ownership. It's amazing when we get ready to cut a ribbon. We're a very unique Hispanic chamber in that we operate four different technical assistance centers. We have a footprint with state government and with the federal government that allows us to do that beyond our membership borders. We are a local state hub certifier. So if anybody out there wants to do business with the state of Texas, give us a holler because we can do that. In addition, if you want to access anything from the Build Back Better Bill from Infrastructure, we're only one of four national women small business owner certifiers. So we have really built our space in getting businesses to understand how to diversify their people, their product, and their service, and use Texas as the grounding place to build their business. So, Man, you've given that speech before. I like it a lot. Um, and not only that, but your daughter, it does special events at the Fort Worth Hispanic Chamber of Commerce as well, right? It's a goal in the family. That is correct. I did not think she'd ever want to go that. She used to give me such a hard time when I had her in here filing and answering phones. And then she'd give me an even harder time when I was out of town. And now to see her blossom and grow, it's just amazing as the director of special events at the Fort Worth Hispanic. Hispanic Chamber. So that is awesome. I'm great that she stayed in Texas and she didn't go someplace else. Yeah, I agree. I and I'm happy for you as well. Yeah, I, I do have a question about the um you know uh, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Just sure. and this you know goes around nationally. I mean, so do you do you have to be a Hispanic business no, to be no. a member? Is it open to all businesses? Like how does it's that work? It's open to all businesses. That's such a misnomer. If you'll notice on ours, we have a little tagline that says advocating for your business success. We're about 87% Hispanic in El Paso. So bottom line, you're going you're gonna to touch that culture. We're never going to forget who we are and where we came from because the beauty of being Hispanic is entrepreneurship. I mean, you can see it when you go into Juarez. And so we want everyone to be able to come in and play with us, and we want to be able to help them grow. It's about building economic wealth in Texas, especially in El Paso. And we're very dedicated to trying to help 
minority wealth get grown. I mean, we're going to be the population of tomorrow, but we need to catch up with the economic wealth. And entrepreneurship, business ownership is the way to go. And so you can have yellow dots, pink dots. We don't care so long as you build, you care about building business in El Paso and, of course, in Texas as well. Perfect. Well, that's great. Brandon, you're the president and CEO of the Fort Worth Chamber of Commerce. Now, are you, have you ran into Cindy's daughter? <laughs> I, I know Cindy, Cindy's daughter very well. Yes, we do a lot with uh, the Fort Worth Hispanic Chamber, as well as the Metropolitan Black Chamber here in Fort Worth. So um, do a lot together. Our teams do a lot together. And um, it's a great, great partnership we have. You know, we uh, I go back and forth. Be, be, between joining the Philadelphia Chamber of Commerce or not, and I know you don't work for, you work for the Fort Worth Chamber of Commerce brands, you know, but just just sell me on why I would join a Chamber of Commerce. I mean, I am a small business operating in Philly. We're a CPA firm, but that shouldn't matter. Why, why would I join? Well, I think um, I always start with what are you what are you expecting to get out of it? What are your hopes? Right? Um, for us, it's not about a one size fits all. It's about uh, understanding our members and understanding what value they have, right? So um, some businesses specifically want to join because of business development opportunities and the opportunities to actually uh, meet individuals they can do business with. Others join just because they want to be seen in the community as a community oriented business. They want to be um, seen with the mayor and the city council and known as a company, an organization, an individual that um, plays a role in the fabric of Fort Worth. Um, others join the chamber because um, they want to be able to um, meet people and have relationships um, at very high levels, whether it's meeting folks in county government or state government. So it really just depends on what the specific individual and the company wants. Um, and it's our role to understand their needs and then um, chat with them about the specific benefits that we have to help them um, achieve their their goals. Perfect. That's great. All right, Jeff, it's your turn. So you're not you're not running a chamber of commerce, but you're president of the Associated Builders and Contractors in Texas. Um, I've actually I've spoken to a number of your groups because your organization is like national with state chapters as well. Correct. So. Tell us a little bit about your chapter. And you, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about your chapter, sorry. Yeah, so Associated Builders and Contractors of Texas is the statewide chapter um, for the Associated Builders and Contractors uh, of America. Uh, they're based in Washington, D.C. Uh, I head up our, our uh, chapter here in Texas. And so in addition to obviously the statewide, uh, we have eight chapters uh, across the state. Uh, we not one in El Paso yet, but hopefully uh, soon. But we do have some one in Dallas, uh, Beaumont, San Antonio, Austin, Houston. So a lot, a lot of our big major cities. It uh, we represent about seventeen hundred members, uh, primarily mm. the commercial and industrial sectors. So I like to say everything from high rises to pipelines uh, is kind of our our business, and we have companies both large and and small uh, involved in our membership. All right. Well, that's good. Um, and that's going to start me off with my first question. Let's talk about the construction industry. Um, and, you know, we can overlap this as well with, you know, with, with both uh, what Cindy and Brandon are seeing. You know, um, Paychecks, um, they have a monthly report. It's the um, it's like a small business employment watch. And and Jeffrey, you know, they, they, they monitor employment in all different you know metropolitan areas and also for industries. And, you know, in the 
in the construction industry, Texas continues to come in among the top 10 of, of, of areas for jobs, for, you know, for, for workers. Um, are, are you seeing that too? I mean, are you, are you in a similar state that, and I'm going to ask the same thing of both Cindy and Brandon, but are you in the similar state of where you're, you're trying to find workers, uh, your members are just, just desperate to find good people? Yeah, I mean, we have construction happening all across the state, and it is really challenging uh, when you're trying to fill all of these positions uh, with with people. And, you know, a lot of times you need people who have either experience or have the right training, and so there is a little bit of a rev up, and so uh, we're having a, a huge difficulty with with getting it. One of the examples I I frequently use is a master electrician. Um, and in that you have to at least serve for 10 years before you can even take a test. And when that person ultimately retires, replacing that person is really, really uh, difficult. Uh, and I was actually on a, on a job site a couple of weeks ago where, where they said that they could easily use 300 more electricians just on that one job site. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's a real challenge, us finding people, competing for people, and we're having to compete with a variety of other industries to get those people. Cindy and Brandon, I mean, you guys are having the same issues, I know, among your, your, your workers. I mean, Cindy, you know, where, where, where are your members finding employees? Like, what are they doing to try to fix this problem? And Brandon, I'm going to ask well, you the same question. We've kind of looked at it as the rethink as opposed to the resignation issue. It's rethink, readapt, and that's at all levels. Businesses at all levels, especially our service industries, are finding talent development, talent recruitment uh, extremely difficult. So they are rethinking and readapting on what they're doing. They are looking at ways of using technology and integrating more hybrid activities where they can. Some service industries just can't do that. They're very much utilizing the connections of their membership with the chamber because that's what we're about. We're about connecting information and resources and, and all kinds of opportunities for them to find different ways to do things they need to do with their talent. I think the critical mass is many of the young adults and and, and, and what I call more mature adults didn't go back to the industry where they were furloughed because of the fact that that business was not identified as essential. So during the time that COVID was going on, they used the Zoom and all of this technology to retool themselves and rethink and readapt. So they wanted to find an additional place that they wanted to go work at because they weren't going to go back to the place that got that was not identified as essential. The challenge with these adults now that they've retooled themselves is they have no experience, actual work experience in the area they retooled themselves in. So as they go back out into the job market, yes, they have the certificate, this is what I've done, but they don't actually have the job experience to do it. So businesses are really having to rethink and readapt their hiring skills, what they're looking for, how they're looking for it, and how they're doing cross training so that they can be able to address this issue. There are workers out there. It's just all a matter of how businesses thinks about getting them, using them, recruiting them, and then integrating them into their into their business. Surely, I'm going to have another discussion with some people from the state of Texas that are a part of like workforce development. You know, and what the government is doing uh, to try and help workers get trained or retrained, like you just brought up. I, just because right. uh, I'd like to bring something back to them. I mean, uh, you know, do you find many of your members? taking advantage of any of the, you know, you know state resources for retraining workers? Is there anything you'd like me to do. ask them? <laughs> I do. There's a lot of workforce opportunities in Texas. There's a lot of retraining dollars. The only challenge with that is accessing them and understanding them and how to connect them 
again, that's why involvement in a chamber is so critical because we have partnerships with our workforce, Borderplex Solutions. We do a lot of trainings with them to be able to help our business members better understand how to take those tools and connect them. The bigger challenge for small minority women in veteran-owned businesses is once they use those state training dollars to retrain someone in a technical field, they're now in a competitive war with a larger company, and yet they've retrained that smaller minority, that that smaller company to, to, to do the work, and now they get poached. So it's become mm. a competitive wage war out there in addition to finding talent um, in terms of trying to find the right person to fit in their in their business. So anything, I guess the government really can't do anything about that. I mean, they provide the training. They can't stop a larger company from poaching employees, right? Right. You can't do that. It's it's just like a business, you know, it's competition and competition is healthy. But right now we would like competition to slow down a little bit in terms of finding talent because that's been that's big, the bigger issue. But let me go one step further and I don't want to sure. get too political. If there was a way the federal government, everybody could just sit down and have a candid, thoughtful, moral conversation about immigration reform, the talent pool would open. Believe you me, it would clearly open. There is talent out there. It's just all about about how you rethink and readapt, and that goes on both federal and state levels as you're looking at immigration policy because there are lots of wonderful talent, and especially in El Paso and in Texas, we're a border community. It's very interesting to see the challenges in terms of trying to help that sense of that community also help build companies. Brandon, you know, Cindy brings up a really good point and it really is uh, it's so relevant to the entire Texas economy, which is which is immigration reform. And, and does you know, do you think that immigration, some type of immigration reform would have a big impact on your members to help them find you know, workers, um, does it impact you as much in Fort Worth as it does in El Paso? Absolutely. It's, it's certainly, um, I think all of Texas, um, sees and feels, um, you know, the challenges from an immigration standpoint, as well as the opportunities. So, um, I think it's a big issue and I, I write with Cindy in terms of, um, the value that, uh, that that can place on, on the businesses here in, in the entire, in the entire state. I am a uh, maybe I'm a naive believer, but I am I am I am naively or optimistically, however you want to call it, uh, in belief that that there will be some type of federal movement on immigration reform sometime in our lifetimes. But in the meantime, we have to deal with um, you know the facts at hand. So, Brandon, the Fort Worth area, Dallas has been you know one of the one of the lowest unemployment, uh, you know, you know, highest growing areas in the country. And I'm, I'm wondering what your, your, your members are doing to try and find workers. Yeah, I think we're very blessed in not only Texas, but certainly in, in Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, here in Fort Worth, we're growing by about 20,000 people a year, uh, 100,000 people every five years. So when it comes to um, companies that are looking to relocate, when it comes to um, businesses that are wanting to access talent, um, we're in a much better position than most because of the sure volume of talent that we have moving to Texas and moving to DFW. Um, I think secondly, um, there's not as much awareness on the solutions that are out there to help businesses um, that there should be. 
Um, and as Cindy mentioned, that's really the role of the chamber. Um, I can't tell you how many businesses talk and are frustrated with a talent standpoint, but when you ask them about a relationship that they may have with um, workforce solutions, um, our, our state um, workforce, our labor body, or uh, with the local community college or with the local ISD, there's really not that relationship. I think businesses are, um, you know, we all can get very focused on what it is we're doing and that um, from a workforce and talent standpoint, there has to be a little bit more effort being made towards um, trying to address those solutions yourself. Um, and that's really where the chamber is. Likewise, on the flip side, these agencies, they, they really don't spend a lot of marketing and communication dollars, right? That's not their, yeah. that's not their um, area of expertise. They want to put all the money they can towards helping um, the talent to be able to find um, jobs and helping the employers find talent. So we find a lot that businesses have, have really no knowledge and understanding of what's out there. And a lot of the solutions um, are already undertaken. Um, and I think the second thing is, I think that, um, listen, just as um, silver linings have, have resulted from uh, COVID, i.e. the Zoom that we just talked about, yeah. um, I do think that uh, um, same thing is happening on, on the talent front as well, right? I think that businesses are becoming uh, much more competitive, much more understanding of what it takes to um, attract and retain talent. And I think that's a good thing for our economy. Um, we have an effort here in Fort Worth and it's all throughout DFW and expanding called Best Place for Working Parents. And really it's initiative focused on um, communicating to businesses the importance of having um, the right tools in place to attract uh, parents and, and uh, to be able to be flexible for those parents that have kids at home. Um, there's much more profitability of a business when they can focus on um, being friendly and attracting the right talent and having benefits um, to, to make that happen. So I do think there's some silver lining in that businesses are much more serious about trying to understand what they need to do. Um, to attract and retain talent. You know, you bring up such a good point. Actually, two points. One is, you know, you know, the, the, the nature of business ownership is changing. In Texas, you know, the average age of the typical small business owner is still over the age of 50. But, you know, we're, we are getting smarter about this. And we do realize that the workplace is changing and they need help with child care. You know, workers want more flexibility. They want to work from home more. And sometimes, you know, you know, some of us aren't willing to make those changes because we're used to doing things the way we're doing it. And you just have to wake up and say you're going to lose out on good people if, if that, you know, if that doesn't happen. The second thing that you mentioned is about sort of the resources that a chamber provides. It, yeah, I've been writing for the past two years on federal stimulus programs and grants and PPP. And I'm just working on a piece right now for the Philly Enquirer about the um, state small business credit initiative, you know, the SSBCI where in Texas, Tens of millions of dollars are being distributed to the state to, to, to get out to small businesses. And there's still just not it's like the business owners themselves have got to step up and, and reach out to organizations like Chambers, Brandon. Right. I mean, to they otherwise they're just not going to know they're 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 operating in a vacuum. Am I right? That's right. exactly I, right. Go yeah, ahead, and please. Right. Go ahead, Cindy. And, you know, on the, on, I wanted to say on that SSBCI program, it's $10 billion that yeah, goes down nationally. to the states. 
right? Correct. And the SSBCI program has three major focuses, which I think are critical to small business, and that is focusing on equality. Um, it's expected to create more jobs, and it's supposed to support a variety of programs that increase the access to capital for small business, because that's where a lot of business, whether you're minority or not, capital access is critical. And we certainly learned a lot about that in the last two years because we distributed funds through the PPP and the IDLE and all of that in terms of the capital access and those businesses who had not had a solid footing with their local banker. That created a real stopgap in a very disastrous time for small business. So the SSBCI program is supposed to be able to do that. And I'm excited to see what the outcomes are in chambers all across Texas do need to be a voice to the state about what that needs to look like in their parts of the state. Because we're all very different. Our footprints are different. There's no cookie cutter approach to this because El Paso is very different than up in the panhandle or wherever else. And sure. so it really needs to be a, an input channel for all of us to talk about what's best because that's a lot of money, a lot of opportunity and a lot of help. It is. And, and I, I, I do want to say for, for those of you watching us or listening to us and you're located in Texas, there are, again, many millions of dollars that are coming to the state. And when Cindy is talking about capital, it could be in the form of loans. It could be form of grants. It could be in the form of equity investments. Depends on the organization that's that's distributing the money. Um, and you've got to go to your chamber or at, at least you have to look around for nonprofit organizations that that support small businesses because they should know. Um, where to go to access and apply for this money. Before I move on to that, Brandon, any, anything else uh, to, to mention regarding um, labor? Because I, I do want to talk about inflation. Uh, one thing I would just add is the Please importance of having the relationships with the local school districts. You know, my association, uh, we have two chapters specifically, uh, our Corpus, uh, as well as our Houston chapter, that they have really great relationships with their school districts. And so because of that, we're able to offer a lot of training programs, but not every school district, I think, is as committed to to the trades and really giving kids the option of, hey, you don't have to go to college. There's all these other options. And I think we fall into a trap very frequently here in, in some of the more urbanized areas where they're like college ready, college ready, college ready. But the reality is, is that that's not practical for everyone. And so I think the importance of having relationships with those school districts, which back to Bram's point, you know, it's those businesses going to that school board meeting and saying, hey, I have a real need for this particular thing. What can we do to make this happen? And I, I think that's a really important thing that, that as we look to diversify our economy here, we need to keep looking at. And don't you think, Jeffrey, as well, particularly the construction industry, that, you know, I, I understand the value of a college degree. I get that. But, you know, you can graduate from high school and learn a technical trade in your industry. And that can be anything from plumbing to contracting to building to, you know, all, you know, and, and really not only, you know, earn a great income as a worker, but also, you know, set yourself up to have your own business someday, you know, and, you know, and, and I, I wonder if you feel like your members get that message out as good as they could, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I think we, we try. Um, I think there's still just a perception, I think, among society that if you're a plumber, you know, you're not really amounting anything. When in reality, that plumber is probably making as much, if not more, than a doctor. No doubt. Um, in some, um, you know, I saw a, a, a commercial HVAC guy who he drives a, a beat up truck for his day job and he drives a Lamborghini uh, at, at night for fun. 
Um, and he owns his business, started off you know, at, the, at the bottom and worked his way up, and now he runs his I own business. I think I'm going to go be a plumber then, Jeffrey. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you think I, you're kidding, a, but it is, it, it's a trait. And it's funny, you know, my, you know, I'm a CPA, and my son's a CPA, and my daughter's a vet. Um, but regardless, it's like I, my dad always taught me to learn a trade. You know what I mean? We didn't grow up in the construction trade, but but having a you know having that skill, um, you'll always earn well if you if you do a good job. Jeffrey, let me change tack, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to both um, uh, Chris and Brandon about this next topic, which is of course inflation. Obviously, inflation and uh, you know and, and supply chain is is a big issue. I'm sure, Jeffrey, not not a big issue for your industry. You guys are fine, right? Prices have been flat. All the materials are available in the world. It's really not a big issue. <laughs> what what are you guys doing? Like, how are your members dealing with? I I see lumber prices spike, you know, 115 percent and then drop 60 percent. Nuts. Um, and then core materials, though, aluminum and siding and steel and you know, uh, significant price increases, uh, as well as getting a hold of materials. Clearly, you're seeing that your members are seeing that. What are they doing to deal with this stuff? Yeah, I think the important thing to note is, you know, construction isn't really stopping. I mean, even with the lumber prices where they were um, and what they were what they were looking at, I mean, we were still trucking along. And I think what's happened is that we've had to adapt. And so a lot of times when we're doing estimates or we're doing bidding, we're saying, hey, you know, this is only good for like a week if I place the order now. Uh, and if I don't, then, then it, you know, it could go up to as much as 30%. I mean, we saw somebody who just in in pipes for for a large high rise, you know, went up thirty percent over the course of just four weeks. Uh, and so, you know, you're just kind of understanding that that's the reality of what we're in now. And the supply chain, if you can get a hold of it, you know, great. If not, you know, then you know that you're going to have to delay stuff. I mean, we I know of a, of a project here that. They just needed brick. That was the last finish out. So they just kept doing everything else that they could uh, while they waited for brick. Um, and, and that's just kind of the new reality. And I think the thing with our industry is we're just trying to adapt to it as much as possible. And then I think structurally we are, you know, in our contracts and stuff, writing provisions in there to kind of really just make the clients aware that, hey, these things are continuously changing uh, and you just need to be aware that if our costs go up, your costs are going to go up too. And, and and so just being kind of truthful and upfront uh, on that end, for the most part, most of the clients are kind of accepting. They're, they're just happy to have somebody able to do the work now. <laughs> and so most of them are willing to to accept those costs. Yeah. If you can, if you can recommend a good contractor for me, I'll fly them up to Philly. We got like tons of work today. Can't find anybody. Um, you're, it's funny. So you, you, you brought up a couple of interesting points. I just want to kind of make sure that I'm clear on. I mean, you're right about giving a deadline and I never really thought about that. I mean, if you're, if you're going to be quoting a price to somebody and by the way, this isn't the construction industry, but I think it, it really applies to all industries. You can say, I can quote this price now, but it was always like standard on our quotes that this quote is good for 60 days, you know, but in this day and age, Quotes are good for like seven days and then they're subject to change. So I guess you're seeing a lot of that um, because you have to protect your margins. Um, the other thing, uh, you know, they're adapting, like you said, you know, you know, they're waiting for bricks or they're building other stuff. But also um, communication is huge, isn't it? I mean, do you see, you know, do you see your members, you know, doing a good job with communicating? I mean, I, I think of construction people and they're not necessarily the technology people or, you know, you know, fumbling around with their email. And yet it's so critical in 2022 to keep your customers up to speed on lead times and delivery dates and, you know, project timelines. But have you seen your members progress a little bit on the technology and are they communicating better? 
Yeah, they definitely are communicating with their clients, I think, a lot more efficiently. The other thing that's been interesting is the banking industry, which, you know, will provide a lot of the construction loans. They're a lot more involved in the process now. Hmm. And so they're they're much more aware of, hey, I'm going to loan you this money for the materials and I'm just going to build in that extra, you know, 20, 30 percent into this in case you need to tap it you know, because your materials go up. And and so uh, you are seeing that we've even had a company uh, move here to moved uh, here to Texas. And their sole thing is they provide, you know, sort of the, the, the immediate 90 day loan on just materials. And that's kind of their sole focus is, is they do that for people. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it's able to, to think the reporting and stuff is real instant. And so it's been really nice having that because they can see in real time, what it is that they're spending on stuff too. And so, um, the, the, I think you are seeing us have to adapt in, in those different ways to improve that that communication. Cindy, you know, uh, you know, it, Jeffrey is talking about like you know the banks providing that extra wiggle room and capital in case prices do go up, and and the reason why is because no longer are are inventories just in time. You've heard of that, you know, sort of just in time inventory. It's now just in case like people are bulking up on materials where they can. You know, um, are you seeing that in, among your members? You know, and how else are they dealing with rising prices? Well, we we did a survey to our small businesses. We have about 1,400 members and about 400 replied. Um, and this is a survey we did a couple of weeks ago. And we asked small businesses in the market, what's standing in their way today of success? And of course, at the top of the list at 48% was finding and retaining qualified employees. Of course. The second one on top of their list, the second one on top of their list was inflation. And the third one on their list was obtaining good solid contracts at 14.3% and then supply chain issues at 9.5. So I think all of our conversation, as you can see, small business lives in the world of impossibilities and they create possibilities. Otherwise, they wouldn't be owners of small business, but they certainly are faced with an awful lot of detours coming out of COVID, the rising cost of things. They're really having to rethink and readapt how they're going to continue to attack this, whether it's passing it off to the consumer whether it's pulling back expansion plans, whether it's using hybrid components by which to do some of their work if they can, looking at the hours of operation, looking at how they can consolidate positions and do a lot of crush training. It truly is the resync readaption period more than anything else because we'll never go back to how we were pre-COVID. That's gone and dead and buried. And so now our, our conversation is, Let's get going because you all did it once before. You can do it again. But now evermore, you're going to need resources, resources at your technical trade associations, your chambers of commerce, those kinds of things, because we are better equipped to help a small mom and pop or any business navigate through all the challenges because they need to continue to work on their business and they can do that with us as opposed to working in their business. And so it's a real different way of thinking as we move forward and grow commerce and industry. But I don't want let the time to go away. Texas is a great place to build any business. We don't have a state income tax, which is like major awesomeness. No corporate tax, yeah. another awesomeness. We're an extremely friendly state. We like love everybody in, you know? So I mean Yes, there's a lot of challenges, but yes, there's a lot of opportunities. And I think all of us just have to figure out how best to navigate it with the constituencies that we represent. You know, I'm trying to figure out how you guys pay your bills. You just sell a lot of steaks and ribs. Is that what it is? I mean, there's no taxes coming in. How is this possible? You know, 
You said you we live in Texas. The, we do uh, barbecues. We share. <laughs> you do barbecues. Yeah, everybody shares me. Uh, you know, you, you talk about the resilience of, of business owners, and I, and I just, I, you know, people have been through inflationary periods before, you know, and, and this is not the first go around. I'm old enough to remember, you know, the inflation in the late seventies, early eighties, there have been inflationary periods before the time of Cleopatra. So I I guess a lot of what you must do is, is just try to, to educate your members on the resource that they have and maybe walk them off a cliff and say, you know, okay, listen, you know, you, you can navigate your way around this. This is just one challenge that, you know, of many that you have. Many times we're a sounding board for them too, because they have the right idea. They just need to bounce it off someone else. We're finding that a right. lot of them are looking at questioning well, to buy what's essential and make cuts elsewhere and, and to be able to make smarter choices in terms of what they're doing. Sometimes they just need to bounce it off someone and chambers of commerce are a great, a great conduit by which to do that because there's other businesses sharing their same heartburn. And so best practices is always a good component. It really is. Brandon, what are you seeing as well? I mean, do, do you see panic amongst your members? Are they, you know, are they you know, freaking out because, you know, producer price indexes now are like 11.2%, which in my opinion is still, ask Jeffrey, that's very low uh, compared to some of the prices he's seeing, you know? So wh- what are your members, what are your members telling you and, and how are they navigating away in, you know, this whole inflationary period? Yeah, I, I think, uh, listen, I think it helps that this is not unique to Texas or yeah. to Fort Worth, right? Everyone is experiencing this. Um, there's a, this is a challenge, right? So um, that's helpful, number one. Um, number two, um, as we've mentioned, um, things in Texas from a, um economic standpoint are, are really, really good. Yeah. Um, very, very positive. Um, it's just a huge blessing to have um, population growth that is driving so much of our economy. So um, while uh, people are definitely hurting uh, for sure, um, and inflation is a real issue, um, you know, as Jeffrey was stating earlier, you know, building and other things are not, they're not slowing down. Um, they're, they're moving forward. Um, I read yesterday that airport volume traffic um, was just a tad below 2019 levels yep. um, for folks going around. So I, I, I just feel like um, this is something that has to get under control. I feel like um, the consumers um, have a better understanding and empathy, especially with small businesses. Um, so, um, and the small businesses are doing what they can from a supply chain standpoint to try to focus on, uh, products, um, or services that, that are not as, um, inflationary in terms of, of their impact on the consumer. So, um, I think people are being creative about it. It's, it's not as bad here in, in Fort Worth as it is in other places. Um, and you know, um, as the good book says, this too shall pass. This too shall pass, and you have to have that long-term view um, to really understand. And we like just, you, like we all, we just know, don't want people to panic. All, we all deal with our members, and yeah, you don't want people to panic. And and you realize that. Listen, a couple of years ago, we had a whole bunch of different headaches, and five years from now, our members and kids, there, there's always going to be uncertainties and challenges, and this is just you know going to be one of them. Brandon, you said you know about the Texas economy being good, and it is. Um, you know, some of the numbers that I shared you know, earlier was just in the construction industry, but you know, in the in the the paychecks study, the you know, their their, their small business employment watch. I mean, Texas job index is like 
you know, one of the highest in the country is, you know, as well. Um, you know, the economy itself is, is going strong. I don't, and Brandon, I don't want this to be a political discussion, so let's not go there, but I would like to ask you, um, why do you think that is, you know, like why is Texas doing so well compared to other states? Give us, give us your thoughts. Yeah. So, um, I moved here, uh, almost six years ago from Nashville, um, which is a, another great community that, that, that experienced huge population growth. Um, listen, I think there's a couple of different reasons, right? So Cindy mentioned, um, you know, we have an environment that is very friendly to businesses, um, little regulation, um, very business friendly, uh, from a tax standpoint, um, you know, no state income tax, um, no corporate tax. There is property tax, so the bills have to get paid, right? But yeah. um, in terms of um, of the taxes that affect individuals and businesses, um, it's a very friendly place. It's got great weather. Um, it's uh, got great airports um, and it's a central location and the ability to, to move around. So um, I think all of those really play um, uh, play, play a role um, in terms of attracting folks, um, especially, you know, our, our, our three um, net uh, in-migration markets to DFW as a whole um, are Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York. And so, you know, it, it, it just shows you that um, people are, are moving out of some of those highly dense environments, um, getting a larger home, um, not having to spend as much, um, being able to access uh, more workforce and being in a community that is excited to have you there um, and is welcoming welcoming you with open arms. Cindy, do you, do you agree? And, and do you think that, um, listen, it's it's very easy for Texas to get bad press in the media, uh, you know, with the, the mask wearing or the mandates or lack thereof and, uh, you know, uh, abortion or, you know, you know, immigration, you know, does that you know, does that concern you as a representative of, of small businesses or or not? Well, all Texas issues concern us because they affect our businesses and our people at some point. But our role is to try to better communicate and educate the constituents we represent about what those rules and policies mean to business, commerce and trade. You know, Texas has been aggressive for a very long time in offering different subsidies for businesses to come and relocate to Texas. You know, here in El Paso, we're a partner with the Borderplex Alliance, which is our industry recruitment. We have an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding. And it's interesting to note that when you're talking about offshoring, you know, Mexico is our largest trading partner. And all mm. of the things that are made in China could certainly be made next door. And you could certainly see that if that was the case, specifically since Texas has such a long border, that we could certainly be able to do it through our back door than hundreds and thousands of miles away. And it would put a, a glitch into that supply chain issue if it was just next door. So where there are a lot of issues on the ground floor, like you just mentioned, our job is to better articulate to our constituency, what do those mean for business and how can we best be a voice to either share our business voice for what those are or they're not. And a good example was during the mandates. A lot of different communities had different issues regarding that. Our businesses know that without people, they've got no business. So they're gonna protect themselves and their employees, number one. But many of our businesses in our market have told us, let business do what they know how to do and they will recover. 
and let governments get out of their way at all levels, both local, state and federal, because sometimes governments really mess things up for them and create a lot more hardships. They're trying to find talent, gain access to capital, find supply chains, get it to market, understand state rules, city rules, federal rules, and still be able to make a buck and pay their taxes. And so you can see that many times that they're quite frustrated about all of the magnitude of, of things that are coming from them. Thus why creating partnerships with so many is critical for our business members, because we play that back support component for them, if that helps answer that question. Oh my God, I am moving to Texas. I mean, this is like, a, <laughs> it, it is a- Come on, we'll take you. Jeffrey, um, the construction industry has been gangbusters. You know that, you know, it's, it's going to, you know, yeah. will this continue on? I mean, I, you know, I hear, you know, it clearly with inflation, what it is right now, we have looming interest rate increases coming from the Federal Reserve. We know that. Um, in my opinion, even though what's been announced already um, is, is probably too small, it's going to have to be a little bit more drastic to rein things in a little bit. Um, that's going to impact builders, you know, and, and, and housing. Do, do you hear any rumblings from your members that there's, you know, potential downturn coming or is it just full speed ahead? You, you know, I think, you know, having gone through COVID, I think, you know, a lot of my members are, I think, a little, I wouldn't say risk averse as much as that. I think they're more aware of the risk involved, I think, going going forward. And so I think they're planning for and adapting to it. You know, I don't think that there's any real sign construction slowing down um you know i think you you will probably maybe see a more of a uh, stabilization potentially happening mm-hmm. uh, especially in our larger markets but you, you know you really don't see a sign that much of them stabling uh, shutting down uh, we did have an interesting time happen though last year during during covid where we kind of saw what that might look like where you know one city in particular austin actually tried to shut down construction for 3 weeks before uh, we were deemed essential by the governor's office and, you know, stuff still kept turning out um, in the outskirts. If you were not in the city limits, you were, people were still going and they just adapted and, and kept going. And I think, you know, I, I frequently hear this amongst the chambers of Texas, you know, during the last, I, we try not to say the R word, so channeling my West Wing bagel during the last bagel, um, what, what you saw was Texas was the last one in. And then the first one out. And I think that that's been pretty consistent across the board. And, you know, construction, you know, we tend to see, you know, a, a little bit of a of a slowdown. But I think just given all the projects and everything that's going on, I think that you're probably more likely to see some kind of stabilization happen. And, and then, you know, we'll probably come back stronger than ever, I think. Brandon, do you agree? Do you do you, you know, do you hear from your members um, any talk of, you know, potential recession by the end of this year or early 2023, do you see any of your members starting to pull back a little bit or, or get a little defensive? Yeah, no. <laughs> we are, we are uh, I tell people, especially friends and family um, from other places, that this is, we, we live in a um, an, almost an alternate universe in Texas. I, I just can't um, tell you enough in terms of um, the growth and the, the, the pace of business and the economy here and the interest from the outside. I, I'm honestly telling you the truth. Um, there is just a lot going on and we do not see it and feel it um, as much as, as um, the rest of the, of the country. Um, so I certainly don't see it or feel it. Um, I read a report last week from uh, NPR that talked about um, just some end of year forecast that uh, uh, some of the large uh, financial institutions have put 
yeah. were put out and they're, they're not saying that we're going to fall into a recession. So um, I think uh, all of us have, have, have some really good confidence that, um, uh, that we're going to be able to, um, to slip past uh, um, the challenges. Okay. So we've talked about the Texas economy. We've talked about, you know, our, our labor challenges and what businesses in Texas are doing to find people. We've talked about inflation and supply chain and how businesses are navigating their way around that. We've talked about the importance of resources like the chamber, uh, like, you know, the building contractor association, all of that, uh, all very important stuff. But let's wrap up this conversation by the most important thing. Uh, so I'll start with you, Jeffrey. What is your best barbecue recommendation in San Antonio? <laughs> uh, well, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't point you to San Antonio, but uh, I used to go to a place, Snows in Lexington, which I went before it was like really cool. Um, it beat out Franklin's number one, uh, <laughs> and it's it, it's pretty solid. Uh, I have the secret sauce. I, I know how to contact the owner, and I get get in through the back door. But that, that's that's probably the best place uh, to, to have barbecue, in my opinion. Cindy, best barbecue in El Paso. Well, I couldn't even attempt to pick the best one, but oh, you, you can't because you probably food. have multiple members that are part of your chamber, right? So <laughs> that would get you in a lot of trouble. Is that right? Yeah. We just say, come on down and uh, we will feed you. We do have great margaritas and we have wonderful tequila. We'd love to have you in El Paso, Texas, for sure. That sounds I just great. wanted to say out of, I just wanted to make one comment out of full disclosure. I'm sure, you know, I just got appointed to sit on the Dallas Federal Reserve Board. So I'm on the Dallas Fed, was appointed to that position in January. And I just want to say that you have to applaud every individual that works in any Dallas Fed in this entire country, because they are trying everything they can to create input channels, which is things like this, to be able to make the right decisions at that big table in DC. It is not an easy decision. It's, there's no cookie cutter approach. And they really are trying the very best they can with all the tools they have to make the right decisions for our country. I could not agree more that the um, our representatives, um, federal, state, local, I know there's sometimes there are a few bad apples and the media loves to jump all over that. But for the most part, these are good people trying to do what they feel is best. And if you're going to be giving your time to be on the Federal Reserve, it is, it's a huge commitment. Um, we're depending on you to make the right decisions and you're doing the best that you can. Um, so congratulations, and I'm, I'm thrilled that you'll be that, that you'll be doing that. Um, Cindy, Jeffrey, Brandon, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you guys are a great panel. Uh, you have sold your organizations and the state of Texas very, very well. Uh, and I think our, our listeners and our viewers will get a lot of great information from this conversation. So uh, thanks so much. <laughs>